Alright, for Ben, I don't have, like I said, I don't have a fancy stinger. So, uh, unfortunately, you're gonna have to jump right into it and just reintroduce it. Um, I don't know why uh, we're having issues today, but it, that is how it's gonna be today. <laughs> Alright, well, welcome back to Mixed Media. Uh, earlier today, we heard from Irving describing uh, why It's a Wonderful Life is a 5 out of 5 film for him and why you should watch it this holiday season and cry, apparently. Um, and Nathan just summarized a ton of things that happened uh, in the video game industry uh, this past year. I'm going to talk a little bit, going back to kind of ho- holiday focus, um, and talk a little bit about some you know holiday winter christmasy themed uh films that have good music and i'm just going to start us off by saying that you know when it comes to uh, christmas films i'm pretty culturally illiterate there are so many christmas films i don't know that i've never seen i've never even seen home alone and you know like how can i talk about like you know, great Christmas scores that talk about Home Alone because you know John Williams. I do know some of the music from it, not but like I can't really talk about it because I don't know all of it, nor do I know the film. I know the film so is fantastic, Ben. You need to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there. I guess it, it, what I'm going to say is it's it's, it's going to reveal the depths of my cultural ignorance when it comes to Christmas films. Feel free to you know head to the comments. Or, you know, on Discord, you can write about, like, say, Chris has been, you know, Ben, how can you, how come you, you didn't mention this film? I, you know, you've never seen that. Like, what's wrong with you? And I'll, I'll have to agree with you. Um, but we're going to, we're going to go with uh, some, some things I know. Okay. So I want to start off by saying, and this is maybe a bold claim, but if you're a music composer, Christmas music and like this holiday music in general, it's probably the easiest thing to write, but maybe the hardest thing to like write well, because um, you know there are just so many tropes at this point. It, they're so worn. You know, you could you could try going and, and, and Christmas music, in, you know, in general is is like it's a really broad category too because you have like Christmas carols of all sorts, right? Lots of traditional things. You got classical music, a lot of which has nothing to do with. Christmas, like, oh, wow, the Hallelujah Chorus from the Messiah. Um, Easter. So, you know, things like that. Or people like listening to uh, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, right? The Ode to Joy has absolutely nothing to do with Christmas. Um, so, you know, the, the, there are those different kind of avenues, you know, uh, for Christmas music. But, like, in, in the general American con- conscience, the con- conscience, consciousness, um, Christmas music, it's pretty easy to distill what that is, but it's very hard to do well. And we're going to talk about uh, here in a moment the the king of Christmas, American Christmas music, but we'll, we'll get to that. So for me, when I'm thinking about like Christmas music, like I said, I kind of broaden it to um, things that are kind of wintry in general. And because, you know, I like listening to things that are kind of wintry even though I don't live in a place where I get much snow or any snow during December. But, you know, I like to imagine that I do. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like for some reason in my heart, 
things that are just wintry in general work with Christmas, and oftentimes better than Christmassy things work with Christmas. And, you know, honestly, a lot of the tropes, even in things that are very Christmassy, come from things that are what I would call wintry. And so three, three pieces, classical pieces, that I think are kind of important to keep in mind as a back, background to, to Christmas and holiday music in general. Of course, it uh, goes without saying, check, uh, I'm also going to caveat that all, all of these are Russian pieces, and that's not just because I'm a huge fan of Russian music, because Russian composers tend to be very good at things having to do with snow. I think, understandably. Yeah. That makes so, sense. yeah. And, I mean, there are some, some fantastic things. I, if I could, I could probably expand this and talk about uh, Svirudov's uh, The Blizzard and Snow is Falling, two wonderful pieces by him, which I'm not even going to mention, but great pieces. He's another great composer for capturing... All of his composers are great at capturing this sense of, like, falling snow, which I think is really what winter, wintry music is kind of after, right? It's kind of after this, like, the sparkle, you know, the, the dance of snowflakes. Okay, so obviously the quintessential uh, piece is Tchaikovsky's Ballet of the Nutcracker, which not not his greatest ballet, by any stretch of imagination. It's not as best by an enormous margin. Um, Sleeping Beauty is infinitely better musically, but you're not going to go out and watch Sleeping Beauty. You know, you're going to go and see a holiday production of The Nutcracker. And The Nutcracker is, it's responsible for a lot of these tropes. It's a piece that, of course, I, we mentioned this uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Harry Potter and the Chilast or Chilasta. Um, that kind of sparkly piano-like instrument that is featured uh, in the Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairies. Um, that's pretty much its introduction to Western music uh, in Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairies. And that is like one of the quintessential Christmassy instruments uh, after that. And uh, you can also look at the uh, chorus, right? D Dance, Dance of the Snowflakes, which... Yeah, I guess ends the first act of the ballet, and that is one of my favorite Christmassy things. Again, it, it kind of exposes, and I, I don't know if it's responsible for all these tropes, um, but you know we've got wordless choir sounds very lovely. Uh, you know, high angelic voices. We have in particular the flutes, and if you're a flute player, Christmas Christmas music. Big, big thing, because flutes are a very Christmassy instrument. Lots and lots of flutes doing, you know, motions that are very much kind of like a snowflake kind of swirling its way down. Okay. It, I gave Irving uh, some links to, to, to include, so you can go listen to the complete Nutcracker if you want, and put you in the holiday mood. Um, another, really quickly, two, two more things. Um, so Tchaikovsky's first symphony... It's called uh, Winter Daydreams, and that's another fantastic piece, uh, much earlier but than the Nutcracker, um, and it doesn't have the Chalusta, but is very much about, just going by movement titles, you know, about dreaming about like like snow falling, 
and it's got all of the same elements. It's very fluid and piccolo driven, lots of very shimmery sorts of things, very interesting harmony. Uh, so I recommend listening to that as well. Um, and finally, there's a an opera by uh, Tchaikovsky's contemporary, Rimsky Korsakov, called uh, The Night Before Christmas. Uh, sometimes I think in English it's, I think in English it's normally called Christmas Eve, but Russian is literally The Night Before Christmas, which is not entirely Christmassy, but it has some really fantastic moments in the suite um, where, and it's kind of odd, but the, the main character has made a deal with, with Satan and is riding on a broomstick. Yes, it's kind of an odd, odd uh, opera, um, but is, is riding on a broomstick and seeing you know the, the Christmas landscape and absolutely gorgeous, lots of uh, very sparkly, you know, flute, uh, celeste, harp, glockenspiel, all your quintessential kind of sparkly, tinkly instruments playing, you know, really wonderful. Okay, so those kind of set a lot of the ideas uh, behind Christmas and wintry things in general. You know, a really good example of that in action is the, well, I guess it's not recent anymore. What what, what year did Frozen come out in? 2013? I think. I don't remember. Yeah, 2013 and 2014, something like that. Uh, probably probably like holiday season 2013, I guess. Maybe. Anyway, uh, so it's not really a recent film, I guess. But uh, the, the first Frozen film is very much in that tradition. And like I said, it, it's not a Christmas film by any stretch of the imagination, but it certainly has its wintry elements, of course, right? Uh, we have Elsa, kind of the, the queen of ice and, and snow. And not all of it really fits in that mold. Uh, you know, it's it, it's got its foot in a lot of different places. And, you know, we could talk about Frozen for a long time. Um, I could too. Oh, we should do an episode on that one day. Okay. Uh, very interesting music. But I, I sent you know, put, put some links to the most uh, wintry moments in it. You know, those include a very, very opening scene where Anna and Elsa are kind of playing, and, you know, we get to see Elsa's powers just before she uh, hurts her sister with the ice. Um, so he's kind of enjoying playing in, in, in uh, you know, with wintry things. Again, we, we have these really light textures, very, very much based in... Uh, kind of Tchaikovsky and Rimsky Korsakov and all those three pieces I just mentioned in their kind of textures, you know, kind of strings, lots of pizzicato strings kind of undergirding it, lots of whirling woodwinds, very sparkly things. We also get an incredibly Tchaikovskyan moment. The, the general theme that runs through the whole section where Anna is, you know, she is discovered at Kristoff, uh, that is his name, and uh, they are making their way up to the North Mountain to uh, find uh, Elsa and her, you know, and her ice castle. Um, and the theme that runs through there, uh, it's a very simple three-four idea. And it gets there's lots of fascinating things that uh, the composer Kristoff Beck does with it. But uh, the the most magical moment of that, which I, I did include. It's uh, guess just before uh, they, they meet Olaf, and we get this 
all sorts of really wonderful colors. Then it ends with the theme played very slowly on piccolo with just uh, you know, tremolo, but kind of shaking strings underneath of it. It's really and and you know, uh, uh, kind of doing all sorts of sparkly things as well. It is very Tchaikovsky. And it is very beautiful, very effective. The theme disappears after that. I guess it's just like the finding of a North Mountain theme or something. I don't know. I don't know why. It should be used a lot more. It's probably the best theme from from that from that film. But anyway, so you know, when it's trying to be wintry, when it's trying to you know evoke winter landscape, it does it very effectively, and it plays with those those tropes. Okay, so so two uh, more traditional Christmas films, uh, and th- these two films came out in uh, consecutive years. So 1964, we have the classic Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and 1965, uh, we get the other classic, A Charlie Brown Christmas. And so two classic Christmas films, I guess Rudolph, I think, was originally a TV film well i guess charlie brown was too you know as far as i know uh the the uh, a charlie brown christmas that that album one of the most if not maybe the most played christmas album still on all you know every streaming platform um and which is interesting because it is not a very standard uh christmas doesn't fit in the mold um, so Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, composed all songs and all music composed by Johnny Mercer. All right, I gotta make sure I get that, that name right because there are so many Johnny then Johnny M's. I should I should remember. I think it's jo- Johnny Mercer. No, Johnny Johnny Marks. Sorry, Johnny Mercer is is another no, another name who does very kind of similar stuff. So I, I get them mixed up. Uh, Johnny Marks, who. Basically, he he's the king of of Christmas music. Basically, if if it's a Christmas song that's not uh, "All I Want for Christmas Is You" or "White Christmas," he basically he wrote it, and which is I- ironic because throughout his life, insisted that he hated Christmas. Uh, he's Jewish, didn't celebrate Christmas. Um, <laughs> thought all of his Christmas songs were terrible. <laughs> but he his company was Saint Nicholas Music, and that's what he did. He 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 had his foot in in songwriting in, in a number of different genres, um, but Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer is what made almost all the money that he made in his life. Wow. Um, and he's he's kind of responsible for the creation of that too. His the brother of his wife actually wrote the story, and it had been kind of discarded, and he kind of found like this note of. Of his brother's-in-law and say, yeah, she made me make make a song about that. Um, made a song, and it was pop. It became you know instant hit. So we had to make a film out of it. He thought it was one of his worst songs ever, but obviously the public did not and does not agree. Okay, so Johnny Marks, very good uh, music. I have tried to research whether he did his own orchestrations on this film or not, and I cannot find anyone listed as an orchestrator, which doesn't necessarily mean that he didn't have anybody's help. Um, but we're going to assume that 
assume that he uh, did it all by himself, which is truly remarkable. Um, he was uh, a kind of jazz pianist in his own right, and he was inspired by uh, Irving Berlin and wanted to be like that and always regretted that he got stuck being the Christmas guy instead of writing, you know, kind of jazz jazz standards. But he is really responsible for injecting a lot of uh, jazz elements into American Christmas music in general, and particularly in, in you know, fil filmic um, stuff. And, yeah, so he's kind of a blend of these things. He's got, you know, elements of, of this jazz. Like I said, he was a you know, jazz pianist playing at famous um, jazz bars in France as, as a young man. Uh, so he's got a lot of elements of that. But he, and he retains the harmonic complexity of, of a lot of jazz. Um, but he borrows a lot of ideas from this kind of wintry, you know, these wintry tropes that I, I mentioned. Um, so if you listen to the score for Rudolph, uh, you will notice that it is very dominated by lots of flutes doing their typical holiday-style runs, right? Kind of snow flurry stuff. Pretty much every note of every melody is outlined by glockenspiel and harp and schlosser, you know, some combination of those three instruments. It gets that holiday ring to it, a Christmassy, you know, snowflake twinkly sparkly sound um yeah so he's he's combining those elements and you know it's all very tuneful that's probably why he's so successful as a christmas song writer christmas is kind of the, the uh time of the year in which we are most bombarded with melody Right. We don't get a ton of melody in most of the music we people tend to listen to uh, throughout the year, and then we get to Christmas, and it's all melody and That's why lots of chromatic harmony in most songs. You know, if it's more rock or oriented, like I'm just listening to Mariah Carey, and I'm like, see, how's this a good Christmas song? There's no harmonic complexity. It's like the simplest bass line in the world. Um, so that's you know, things that are like a truly kind of, I don't want to say a forced attempt at Christmas popularity, but are, <laughs> you know, different genres trying to kind of insert themselves into Christmas, they don't necessarily maintain these elements. Um, but in mo most of these Christmas songs that we listen to, kind of very harmonically rich, very melodically rich. Uh, and that is that is what music Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is. Uh, it's aided, of course, by the fact that we got Burl Ives uh, and his wonderfully rich voice uh, as uh, Sam the Snowman, kind of as our narrator, and yeah, it's a it's a wonderful film. This it's a film I watch every every Christmas. It is a little bit archaic. You can take some you know fault with it, with its gender representations in, within the reindeers. Um, <laughs> But it's just, it's just, a, I don't know. I, I, I just, I just enjoyed the film. I enjoyed it a lot as a child and it's very, it's so musical and happy. And that's where source of a lot of our Christmas uh, standards and, you know, Johnny Marks in general, but that, that film in particular, we kind of get, get the opposite the next year with the Charlie Brown Christmas. We have that uh, Vince, Vince Girardi 
who is a, a jazz pianist and kind of a quintessential master of the, the West Coast style of jazz. And I guess the story of how he came to be involved was they asked him to compose music for an unreleased uh, documentary of a year earlier, a year prior, about um, uh, Charles Schulz, the uh, creator of Peanuts. And although that was never released, they thought that his music sounded very Charlie Brown-like. So they decided to bring him in for the first Charlie Brown film. And obviously the most popular Charlie Brown film. And the kind of, you know, the sound of this is his his trio. So piano, bass, and drums, mostly drums uh, just doing uh, brushing. So very light. And a children's choir of uh, some kids from, I believe, uh, just outside of San Francisco, some from some church choir. And they are they were deliberately asked to sing slightly out of tune because children don't know how to sing in tune, even though these kids obviously could sing in tune. <laughs> um, so that was the sound they're going for, you know, to make it sound authentic, like, right, the kind of average kids of Charlie Brown. So it's a very muted affair. It's jazzy and, you know, harmonically rich, but it is so sparse, you know, in its texture. It's mostly just piano, with, you know, a little kind of brushing and you know, maybe you can hear the bass a little bit. And I think that that works very well for the film. You know, we, we kind of get that bleakness of winter and it's not really a film that is like filled with, you know, happy emotions all the way throughout. We've got Charlie Brown, who's kind of depressed, you know, uh, he doesn't know why he doesn't like Christmas. People are kind of being mean to him. You know, he gets his support from everyone at the end. But, you know, it's a pretty muted thing. And maybe that also matches, a, you know, the um, the kind of drawing of, of Peanuts, you know, sparsely drawn. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it's a combination of um, traditional Christmas carols, some of his own things. Yeah, with the, you know, children's choir singing slightly out of tune. Um, we do get some nice moments like the uh, waltz uh, called skating when we get like when ice skating that is very nice and that's that is kind of in that you know general like floating world of Christmas music but in a kind of jazz manner yeah and again I, I believe that is pretty much in every streaming platform the most uh, most popular Christmas album right now and has been for a very long time. So it's interesting because again, it's not the most popular. Not from a standard Christmas fair. I don't know that any song on it in particular or any piece on it in particular is like that highly played. But I think as an album overall, it is. Christmas music, I think, is tend to become a little bit more corny in in, in films. You can listen to uh, the example I put in, uh, of um, the suite from Polar Express. Wow, sorry. <laughs> Uh, which is Alan Silvestri. And, you know, that's it's a little bit more contemporary. Um, and what what does that give us? You know, we get big Christmassy melodies. So it's kind of a mixture of all, all these things. You know, melody, kind of sparkly, sparkly stuff, lots of flutes, choir, of course, and some some jazzier elements kind of stealing some of those not stealing necessarily but using some of those johnny marks songs and johnny marks 
elements um and then also kind of getting this like really regal like you know brass stuff like this is christmas and like you know here is this like the beautiful tree and I mean, that's maybe a little bit more recent just kind of like really regal brass heavy stuff um so you get all of that in in the uh in polar express i don't think it's necessarily a wonderful film or anything and it's mostly a lot of songs of you know they licensed um from other people in in the film but wherever you get music that's you know what the music tends to be so that's why i put a link to the the, the suite not the uh not all the, all the songs in it. So, and, you know, that's a little bit more where Christmas music in films tends to be today. Granted, like I said, I'm pretty culturally ignorant, so there are plenty of Christmas films that, that I don't know. So it was, it's kind of, those are kind of the trends in Christmas and, and holiday music. Like I said, you know, a lot of it kind of going back to uh, tropes established by composers who are thinking about snow to some degree. Uh, you know, like Remsky, Korsakov, and Tchaikovsky, and you can see another a lot of other Russian composers too. And I'm sure it's in you know other places as well. But you know, people in France not writing as many pieces about snow falling generally um, in the classical world as people in Russia were just because of the climate. That was really interesting. I feel like I got like a, a, a beautiful tour through different kinds of Christmas music. I don't want to cause no problems. I just want to live my life, but I keep on hearing about nonsense. Me and my dons ain't mobsters, but you know when you see imposters, we know how to read them faces, same way you know how to read them comments. If you want to talk, let's talk, but around here, make sure you're walking, your talk is constant. <laughs> 